0: Roster Watch Nation. Prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your... Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic roster watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com my name is alex dunlap and i will be flying solo today for this edition of the podcast we'll get one here in the next maybe today uh, if not today probably tomorrow uh, definitely within the next 24 hours after the release of this one where we'll get byron lambert on the phone Uh, byron right now i believe is live uh, at rams camp and he'll be there Uh, For the rest of today, uh, when we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, uh, he'll get done with Rams camp today, then head out to to Chargers camp to, I believe, spend two days there before wrapping up the West Coast uh, portion of the RosterWatch.com training camp tour brought to you by RosterWatch Nation, all of our pro subscribers over there at RosterWatch.com. Cheat sheets, version, I guess, 3.0 for the... 2QB uh, and Superflex version 3.1 just went up yesterday for PPR, and then version 2.0 for standard and half point PPR are all available at rosterwatch.com. Uh, just a couple things I wanted to get to today. Uh, and why I wanted to have the separate podcast just to uh, hear a quick solo pod before Byron comes on is because when Byron comes on, we're we'll talking mainly, you know, Rams specific topics, Cowboys specific topics, et cetera. As he's going to be calling in and kind of giving his debrief to all of Roster Watch Nations, sort of his findings from those. And I uh, just I wanted to get into a couple of general fantasy topics, uh, answer, you know, one question, or I guess sort of a comment slash complaint slash, you know, bitching. That comes in from a, a, a very, very, very few people within Roster Watch Nation to us on Twitter or in the comments section uh, of any article at rosterwatch.com where you can interact with us uh, about the cheat sheet. Uh, also, I wanted to go over just some of my takeaways from the first week of preseason action. I feel like that there's, you know, there's a few things that we can unpack. Also, just to hit on a couple of these news and notes, but mainly uh, the Banana Hammock uh, the, or the Banana Hammock Boys Listener League uh, is on huge tilt because I read out the draft order for the Cockamamie Business Listener League last week and never did it for the Banana Hammock Boys. So I have gone to random.org and generated that order. Not their draft order, but. Um, <laughs> And here's the thing. I'm not going to read it now because in this email from the commissioner at EaglesFan3535, he's given specific instructions about how he wants this done. And so this is not the draft order. This is the order in which they will be able to choose their draft spots So it's basically the order to choose the draft order. And also, he doesn't want it read until the end of the podcast. He wants to leave everybody in suspense. (laughs) So uh, that's the main reason I'm making the podcast. But thought it'd be a good time to check in with you guys, uh, let you know where everything is, uh, how, how everything's going. Also, just give a few kind of quick updates about the cheat sheets, et cetera. The first thing I wanted to talk about, you know, the first thing I'll always talk about is go on iTunes, give us five stars, give us a good rating and or review. We don't have enough ratings and or reviews at this point in time. Uh, it's especially not a number that's commiserate with the number of listeners that we know that we have via our, our podcast tracking statistics. There's so many more of you guys who listen than go and give reviews or just go and click five stars in the iTunes app. If you like the podcast, please just take a minute and go and do that. All right. So um, I got a complaint from just a, an eggheaded guy on Twitter today saying, uh, complaining about where Ty Montgomery was on the cheat sheet. And I just, I get this sometimes people saying, how can you have this guy here on the cheat sheet? How can you have that guy there on the cheat sheet? What, like, what are you doing? How can you have this guy ranked ahead of this guy? And my answer to that is always one, Trust the process and do not question the magical cheat sheet because it's made of magic. And two, the cheat sheet isn't rankings. And the people who think that it's rankings just simply don't get it. It, It's not rankings. It is a visual representation of how we can beat ADP. And, and yes, there are players that sometimes we have buried on the cheat sheet. And those are players who, that we don't want you to have. Right. But, there are also players who we have high up on the cheat sheet that are you know, higher than their ADP. Those are players that we do want you to have. But this stuff about quibbling between, you know, this player should be above this player, or how do you have this guy's running back 17? How do you have that? Like, it's so silly because none of that stuff matters. It has absolutely nothing to do with the skeleton of the cheat sheet. The skeleton of the cheat sheet is a play. It's an, it's an arbitrage play versus ADP. And if that doesn't make sense to you then j- just do the easy thing and follow the three simple rules at the very top this thing is tested and tested and tested over and over and over again there's not a day that goes by that i don't want at least you know multiple hundred simulations so trust the cheat sheet it's magical it's mythical it's mystical it will draft you an expert quality draft if you do not bastardize it by breaking the three simple rules um so, just wanted to get that off of my chest. Just, I, I mean, I guess it's fair for people to come and say, "How do you have this guy ranked?" But like, I can't expect everybody to just understand what the cheat sheet is, to understand the magic of it. But I guess I, I get a little bit tilted sometimes, whenever you know people come and question the integrity of the of the of the sheet, the, the you know the integrity of its architecture. Whenever they say we have somebody ranked ahead of somebody else, we're in a vacuum. If I were ranking these guys. I I wouldn't necessarily have that person ranked ahead, even if they're a little bit lower on the sheet. Half the time, it's because I want you to, like if there's one guy that's ranked ahead of another guy, uh, or uh, who's, I'm sorry, who's, I I should note that I'm doing air quotation marks here, that's ranked ahead of another guy on the cheat sheet, a lot of times what we're trying to do there is we want you to get both those guys. And we're saying, all right, if you reach right now for the guy who you say should be quote-unquote ranked ahead of the other guy on the cheat sheet you're going to get that guy but you don't have a chance of getting both of these guys and when there's a chance to get both of those guys when they're guys that we like we are going to have to keep the skeleton of the cheat sheet and the integrity of the cheat sheet Uh, we're we're going to have to keep that based in the adps based in the trends and based in uh, everything that's happening and all of these simulations that um that, that, that we've been undertaking to make sure that the sheet is perfect and the sheet's magical and mystical. So uh, thanks to everybody for your comments and certainly saying we don't want you to comment to us or saying that your comments aren't worth the shit or anything like that. But I just I wanted to add a little bit of context there as far as the cheat sheet. All right, so let's get into uh, some of the news and notes before I just get into some of my preseason. I mean, some of these news and notes kind of have to do with my preseason thoughts from week one. But first, uh, looks like, the you know, with Zeke with the suspension. It looks like Todd Archer says that the Cowboys could use a committee approach at running back during Zeke's suspension. Obviously that would bring Alfred Morris sort of into play. Look, for us, we've been all in on this deal. If we can get Darren McFadden in the ninth to the tenth round, we are taking him every day of the week. I think that his ADP is likely to settle somewhere closer to the seventh round once all the once all the dust has settled on this thing. But I think this could be good news with the Alfred Morris stuff because look, Alfred Morris, from everything that we know, from all of our intelligence gathered by Byron at the Cowboys camp, and it wasn't just him monitoring the usage. It was him talking to people around there. We have very good sources with the Cowboys. It's one of the teams that we're best sourced with. The clear number two is Darren McFadden. Now, with that being said, Alfred Morris has at times looked a little bit better than Darren McFadden through the first two preseason games and, and, through, and through parts of camp. Darren McFadden is now old. Darren McFadden has always been injury prone, and those are all reasons to be a little bit goosey about Darren McFadden. I get it. We are not as goosey about the whole Alfred Morris thing than everybody else, though. Alfred Morris is not going to be in the picture for us. If Darren McFadden, you know, tears his hamstring in week one and all the idiots who drafted Alfred Morris in, in you know, round 10 or 11, um, you know, they get to make their hay like that, then so be it, you know. Well, it's that, that isn't anything that's going to lose us any fantasy championships anyway. We're going to go on what we know. We're going to go on the intelligence that's available to us. We are going to, do, we're going to be – Pointing roster watch nation to the intelligence that we know is good and that we know is not fake news, and what is what is not fake news is that the preferred number two option there is Darren McFadden, and we've known that that's a team that they're going to commit to running the football. They would optimally like to have one guy in there, and and look, Alfred Morris, they were they were shopping him for trades. They it isn't like they like that guy. So unless you buy into the notion. And, look, I'm not holding against anybody that buys into this notion that McFadden's too old and he's set to break down because that is a very real possibility. But unless you're buying into that, there's absolutely no reason to have Alfred Morris on your radar at all. Right now, um, cheat sheet users in both PPR and in standard, you know, if, if Darren McFadden falls to them at value at the end of the ninth round, we're, we, we are taking that all day in 12-team leagues. All day, twice on Sunday. That could be a that could be you know not a frontline RB two for you, but certainly an an average one of the mill RB two for you in both standard and PPR setups for the first six weeks of the season. And to be able to get that kind of value in the ninth round, I mean, yeah, all day long. So uh, rest assured that you will be getting him on your teams if his value stays there. I'm not sure it will, but but like I said. The Alfred Morris thing, like our guy at, at Graham Barfield just said on Twitter, he was saying that I, I had a conversation with him there on Twitter. Uh, Grant Barfield, I, I don't, where does he write? I don't even know where he writes. Let's see. I think it's Roto, I think it's Roto world, but it might be Roto viz. I don't want to say no fantasy guru. Yeah. And contributor to, to Roto world. So wh- what he was saying is that, um, you know some of the some of the uh, ADP uh, projections that he'd seen were that Darren McFadden was going to stay there in the ninth or the tenth round, and he said that that he thinks it has to do with the mix of age, the unknowns, and the Morris involvement. It could keep McFadden's cost down. And I wrote back to him. I said, "Perfect. I said that is terrific. You know, if we keep his cost down in the ninth and tenth round, that is that's gold, man. You're gonna have an RB two with a ninth or tenth round price tag that you can, you know. I mean, what you do have to remember is that." Uh, Dallas Cowboys have a pretty tough starting strength of schedule, and do you really want you know uh, how how hyped are you going to be to roll out Darren McFadden against the Giants' defense in in Week One? But uh, certainly, it's not going to be that way for the entire six weeks that you'll be able to use him. Uh, speaking of terrible strength of schedules to start, and just players, I'm really kind of having to think long and hard about on the cheat sheet, uh, Leonard Fournette. Now the news, you know, he's going to miss another preseason game. They say it's a foot. Uh, you know, I was on NFL Radio yesterday on uh, training camp today with Zig Verkasi, and the guest he had on right before me was Doctor uh, David Chow, who does the segment uh, right before the fantasy segment every day there on on SiriusXM NFL Radio for the tr- uh, for the training camp today, and who's a great friend of Roster Watch Nation, who we just respect the respect the hell out of around here and he was saying that since they're saying it's foot that could technically still be ankle but they likely would would have said you know uh said ankle if it was ankle because ankles generally i mean if you look at it if you you think about it an ankle injury uh that's on the mend is generally one that's not as concerning as a foot injury you think foot you think oh shit could this be some kind of like Liz Frank or like something like that. Generally, if it's an ankle that you're, uh, that's coming along kind of slowly, that's just something where as long, you know, as long as you don't hear it being like a high grain or a high ankle, um, you know, grade you know, I think like what they, they call these grade, grade one, grade two, grade three, like as long as you don't hear it being one of these higher grade high ankle sprains, like low ankle sprains are always a week or two. So the fact is that he's saying it's a – that the club is saying it's a foot. Dr. Chow is saying that's actually kind of sneaky, undercover good news for Fournette because he would be a bit worried if it was looking like it was the recurrence of the ankle injury that caused him to be uh, so much less elusive in 2016 as he was in 2015. So that's just – that's something to watch. It's something to keep an eye on. And when we look at Leonard Fournette's schedule – to start this fantasy season, let me go to rosterwatch.com and I'll pull up the uh, strength of the strength of schedule and the fast start tools here in the pro downloads. And just so I can be completely accurate with what I'm saying here on the pod. And when I do, if my internet provider will speed up a little bit here, because we're also, we all need everything to be so instant in this world we live in. Uh, Jacksonville the strength of schedule is one of the hardest in the league it's bottom one two three four five six it's the seventh worst strength of schedule in the season but goddamn this initial strength of schedule uh, using our proprietary metrics our proprietary analytics at rosterwatch.com Jacksonville the first week is at Houston that is our sixth worst matchup for opposing running backs uh, at home versus Tennessee, our ninth worst matchup for opposing running backs. At home versus Baltimore, our 11th worst matchup for opposing running backs. And of course, we know that the New York Jets are a pass funnel defense with that great front seven, horrible defenders. That's going to be something where it's going to be they're going to shut down the run and force Blake Bortles to throw it up. Uh, at New York Jets, our second worst matchup to start the fantasy season against opposing running backs. In week five, he'll be at Pittsburgh, which is a middle of the road matchup. And then week six, he'll have our third worst matchup, Aaron Donald and the crew uh, there. He's gonna have to travel to Los Angeles to play the Rams. So just a brutal murderer's role for Leonard Fournette to start the season. I've talked about that before. I've worried a little bit about whether or not that is something that is going to hinder him as a rookie, the fact that Chris Ivory is still in the picture, TJ Yeldon still in the picture. Do you work a guy like Leonard Fournette in a little bit slowly? It's clear he's the future of the f- franchise. It's clear that he's an absolute epic, maniacal man-child of a beast and that in dynasty leagues, I'm, I don't care. Like I'm t- still taking him in rookie drafts first overall. I'll take him top six overall and Dynasty League startups. That's how much I believe in Leonard Fournette's future. I worry, though, about him in redraft with those first six games. And now with the foot, I'm just thinking, he's, he's a guy I've been thinking a whole lot about, his, his slotting on the epic and the magical cheat sheet. Because, you know, and here's the thing, though. There's guys all around him, even if you look at the ADPs, like the guys all around him, it's not like a, all, a lot of these guys don't have question marks. I mean Marshawn Lynch. For as much as we love him, he has he has big question marks. Demarco Murray, he's, he's I mean he's got question marks. He's he's the last year was the first. He's due to get hurt, given his his career history. He's due to get hurt. And Derrick Henry is now you know nipping at his heels, and he's been hurt. Like I said, Marshawn Lynch, beast mode. He hadn't played in a year. We we love him. We think he's an excellent value right there at the you know beginning of the third round, mid third round, or right around where you can get Linda Fournette. But I, I I mean, still, he's he's a guy who, you know, given his injury history, you're only going to count on him for. I think you're crazy if you come into the you know season. I, I feel like the fact that you're probably only getting him for 13 games is baked into his ADP right now. Lamar Miller. He just sucked last year. He had all the volume in the world. He had every chance in the world. He was so ineffective whenever he was given the opportunity to, to, to you know, really make something of himself. This is a guy that coming into last season, you could have thought to yourself, and the trash man did think to himself, this is a guy who could, this is a guy who could lead the league in, 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 in rushing, not necessarily in total, you know, total offense, but in rushing with the amount of volume that he's set to get with the philosophy that they have there in Houston, Lamar Miller was trash and Deontay Foreman's sick. So, I mean, that's not like he didn't have question marks. Christian McCaffrey, I, I, I mean, in PPR, you got to love him. But, I mean, that his role is completely unknown to really all of us right now. Isaiah Crowell, like all these guys, like he, he plays on a shitty team. That Yes, the offensive line's better, but the quarterback play is looking to probably be abysmal once again. Who knows how often these idiots are going to be in scoring position. It's almost like Joe Mixon who you know, speaking of the thoughts from the preseason, wow, Joe Mixon. And, and, and we've told you that, I've told you that for two years. I mean one of my jobs covering the Texas Longhorns, uh, I've seen Joe Mixon like up close and personal and that guy's got big 10-inch, you know, just banana bushel hands and he catches that damn ball like Le'Veon Bell and he's big and he's thick and beastly and tall and uh you know runs behind his pads and moves so well and the stop starts and the cuts and the you know the the change of direction i mean joe mixon you know i'm you know we're getting a ton of exposure to joe mixon already and just the ADP difference between the Leonard Fournette and the Joe Mixon, you know, is going to indicate that on the cheat sheet, we're going to have to keep Joe Mixon probably behind Leonard Fournette for now. But I'm just, after after what we saw out of him, and do you know what? It's only seven touches, and I don't give a shit. It was enough. And seven touches of Joe Mixon, I'm going to tell you, and I've told you the whole time. I said it on SiriusXM just this week into the trash man. I said, if Joe Mixon's not the starter in week one, I will write... You know, whatever. Jeremy Hill is the starter across my forehead, in in permanent, uh, like with a sharpie, and I'll take a photo of myself and I'll and I'll tweet it out from from Roster Watch, because that's how sure that I am that Mixon's going to overtake him. So, with that being said, it's like. It just makes me think. With Leonard Fournette, I got to keep it close. I've just I've been thinking really hard about Leonard Fournette. I've been thinking really hard about how this is going to pan out with this foot. It might all be nothing. We could look back at this podcast in one week, and you guys can come at me on Twitter and say Alex was talking shit for no reason. But I'm just I'm keeping a close close eye on Leonard Fournette, and I'm keeping a close close eye on that tier of running backs that we just we just discussed. Uh, one guy who came out and looked like a oh we'll sp- before we get into who else looked good or who else looked looked bad in week 1 of preseason I wanted to just say too while I'm still here on Roto World so, sort of seeing what the seeing what the news is from the first part of the day the one other thing that just jumps off to me is our boy Brashad Perriman. it looks like he has a grade 2 hamstring strain and uh the little note here says the usual Time frame for that injury is about a month. So now he's already been out a week and a half, so that means another two and a half weeks. <sighs> Same stuff, different day for Rashad Perriman. I mean, I own him in Dynasty. A ton of us own him in Dynasty. I um, I don't know whether it's easier easier to hop off the Kevin White train at this point or the Rashad Perriman train at, at this point. Both seem like they're sort of really sputtering to to some kind of – some kind of uh, some kind of slow speed death at this point, but I th- I mean I think if I got to stay on one of those trains, it's still going to be the Rashad Perriman train, um, th- and I'm not I'm sure that that even has to do with me liking per- Perriman more as a prospect. I think coming out, if you would have made me choose in a vacuum between the two at prospects, I would have chose Kevin White. But look, the takeaway from the Chicago Bears that first preseason game, and then also from Trashman's live reporting from there in Chicago, is that passing attack is pure hot garbage it is an absolute mess it's a disaster uh mike glennon absolutely sucks cameron meredith absolutely sucks this damn guy can't catch a cold uh you know a bunch of just an island of misfit toys with these idiots these i mean this is a victor cruz marcus wheaton <laughs> kindle Wright like frankenstein it's awful Jordan Howard looks fine, but this is an awful team. I'm not sure how they're going to be in scoring position. And look, I also wonder whether or not GameScript could swindle Howard at times. Like when they're behind, that defense we know is trash. That whole team is trash. I think that uh, little number um, 29, Um, 29, Cohen, Tariq Cohen, that kid, that kid looks good. And, and that scares me a little bit for Howard because I think Tariq Cohen looks capable of being a back that the team could use more in those situations where they're behind and having to kind of throw the football around or having to toss it to guys out of the backfield and, or, you know, hand it to guys on, 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 delayed, uh, on uh, delayed draws and stuff. I think that – I mean, he's fast as hell. And, and like, he's small, but he, I don't think he's too – like, he, he, he certainly doesn't run scared. He's kind of like a little Donnell Pumphrey or something, you know. Small, but does not run scared. Uh, in that same game, I guess the the Bears they played the Broncos in that same game. And with the with the Broncos, C.J. Anderson, uh, you know, I kind of came away believing that he's the lead back. That's what Byron had said, and what he had gotten clearly from being at Broncos camp. Um, D'Angelo Henderson looked good. But we all know that. We all know Devonte Booker sucks. Now, with C.J. Anderson, you worry about how he might have the same issue as Jordan Howard with the offense just being a piss-poor, piss-poor you know, PP-armed uh, quarterback situation. But we, we, you have to remember, the Denver defense, they're going to keep the Broncos in games, and they're going to allow them more opportunities to, to, to grind the ball out on the ground. So I don't see it as quite the same. The Bears' D is just absolutely horrible. It looks like, what, 4.2 yards per carry. For Anderson on the night, and oh, and then the other thing, just just kind of on the, you know, just on the kind of NFL draft tip is Garrett Bowles, the left tackle. Boy, did that kid look good, great in pass, bro. Nice feet. I saw him get swindled a few times in outside zone by letting defenders get upfield through his playside shoulder, but all in all, man, dude, great news for the Broncos offense. That was a major unknown piece coming into this job that they were just hoping they're saying, all right, if everything pans out, maybe these tackles, um, you know. Could, could be up to snuff, and Garrett Bowles was, was a huge question mark. On the other hand, uh, Menelik Watson on the right side, uh, I believe still b- sucks badly. Um, let's see. As far as uh, Steelers at Giants, I don't know. I mean, I didn't take too much from this one. There was no Ben, there was no Le'Veon, there was no, no Martavis, no Antonio Brown on the giant side what Eli didn't play. Beckham didn't play. He, he acted like he wanted to play. He's such a drama queen. Sterling Shepard, of course, didn't play. I don't remember if Brandon Marshall played. If he did, I didn't, you know, I didn't take anything away from it. Juju Smith, Schuster, of course, to, got hurt early with the concussion, but what, you know, they were using him in a Martavis like role. They, I remember they got him involved on one end around or jet sweep or something where they got the ball in his hands. Um, uh, back behind the line of scrimmage uh, coming from a flanker position i guess i mean maybe t- paul perkins And i mean look as much as we love him and as good as his situation appears to be i'm still having trouble going all in on believing he can be in every down back I, you know we've talked about it through the whole off season, like paul perkins owners we felt like we were dodging bullet after bullet with this guy with like the 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 Giants inexplicably they didn't go after anybody they didn't go after a Legarrette Blunt they didn't go after an Adrian Peterson they didn't go after a Jamal Charles and that was like the last gasp like the death rattle to use a, a Fight Club term <laughs> that was like that was the last gasp of of like ways to, you know, first there was, first there was free agency and they didn't do anything. And then there was the draft and they didn't do anything. And then like the post free agency, old, old, the, the the one on the old men, didn't do anything to address this. It made you think, God damn, maybe they like Paul Perkins a ton. Like, you know, but I don't know. I don't hate him in his current ADP. Clearly, if you use the cheat sheet, you you know, I don't hate him in his current, <laughs> his current mid to late eighth round ADP, uh, especially in PPR. But I do think the Giants kind of made a mistake in, in not addressing that running back position, you know, maybe just a little more aggressively, just in the draft or something. I mean, you, got, I mean you, you take Wayne Gallman. Look, I got news for you guys, man. Wayne, and we've told you this the whole time Wayne Gallman sucks. So, yeah, he's certainly not on the radar at all. I mean, I mean, I think Paul Perkins is, is going to be fine. Didn't take much away from this game, though. I don't know what his exact stat line was. He didn't look incredibly good at, at all. Um, oh, Mike Mike Evans. That was another big takeaway. Jameis just started out peppering this dude with targets. He only played – Mike Evans only played in two series, and Jameis targeted him seven times. He targeted him so much that this fucking guy in my one of my oldest dynasty leagues sent me a trade right after that game for – Straight up, Antonio Brown for Mike Evans, and I turned his ass down. <laughs> I was just like, I talked to Trashman about that trade, and he was like, man, do you know what? It seems pretty even to me. I'm like, you know, it seems, it seems pretty even to me too. And uh, I don't like doing 1v1 trades in, in, in fantasy if they're pretty much even. Like, what's the point? What are we doing here? Um, OJ Howard, as we've said the whole time, completely uh, being overdrafted right now based on rookie hype. We love O.J. Howard. He was a member of the All-Senior Bowl roster uh, from our time at the Senior Bowl this year. Analytically, with his measurements from the catapult data that that we took on these players, was absolutely elite. Both he and Evan Ingram were, you know, completely off the charts compared to anything that we have ever seen at that position down in Mobile. With that being said – He's a rookie tight end, and we always tell you it's a three-year rule with these tight ends. Like Hunter Henry last year was the anomaly, and he was a touch, and he's in for touchdown, like eight touchdowns. You know, he's in for touchdown regression as it is. Hunter Henry's being overdrafted, and he's he's the anomaly. Nobody is ever good as a rookie tight end ever. Some news from from today is they're saying that Adam Shaheen, the, the Chicago Bears rookie tight end is going to be a, a major factor of the offense. And that's more hype than I'm not going to believe. These rookie tight ends never do it. And the reason why they have to be in the quarterback room, they have to be in their own tight end room. They have to work with the wide receivers. And they, and, and if they're ever attached, they got to work with the offensive line. They got to get all those calls, man. You realize those are different calls. The protection calls from the quarterback uh, you know audible calls for the routes, like all this. Your head is swimming as a young tight end in this league. So you look at, I mean, for Dynasty, yes. I think he's still work worth a top six overall pick in rookie drafts. I just don't think we're going to see much out of O.J. Uh, Howard until a little bit uh, later on in the season, if, if anything, this year. I think Cameron Brate. I mean, James talks about this dude a lot. If you watch Hard Knocks, I don't know if it's hard knocks or something else. Like, I, I've, I've just seen him recently saying, Hey, man, don't forget about Cameron Brayton when they were asking him about, you know, Deshaun Jackson and OJ Howard and Mike Evans. He said, Don't forget about Brayton. Sure enough, uh, he targeted Brayton twice in this game. You know, I think it's a, I think it's a, you know, and, and that was only in two series, too. But he, he targeted Braid in two series. Like, you target that guy once a series. That's a big, I mean, the, if that continues over the course of the game, that's, you know, this could be a seven to 10 target monster. So, I think there's a high possibility that Jameis likes Brate better and that Bray, who's basically going undrafted in fantasy right now, is going to be a better option, at least this year, for redraft. I, I, like I said, still love O.J. Howard and Dynasty. Um, let's see. I, I've, you know That game they played the Bengals. I already talked a little bit about mixing. I guess the only other thing was A.J. Green. You saw him catch a couple balls. It feels, feels sick to, make that, to, to to know that guy's looking like he's as good as new uh just just it's great to have players back that are just really really sick players and AJ Green is certainly one of them um oh yeah and then also uh i guess my own, my only other main takeaway here before uh, i i said i was just going to come on and do like a little 10 minute deal as usual it's been half an hour or so we'll get out of here and do the um, do some final thoughts and the drawing for the banana hammock boys listener league but the the chiefs uh, look Speaking as senior bowl, guys, you know, I don't think that there's been anybody. I don't know. Maybe there has been, but I'm not sure that there's been anybody that's been as high through the process as us on Kareem Hunt. And I was just I was sure I was sure through the entire, you know, like basically ever since the draft occurred that Kareem Hunt would come in and usurp. Spencer Ware in the same way that I'm sure that Mixon's going to usurp Jeremy Hill. I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm tapping the brakes a good little bit. Hunt only played nine snaps. He didn't get anything going to speak of. And Ware looks pretty good, mainly in the receiving game. But it looks like an Andy Reid offense where Spencer Ware is featured. And that's just that is that is how it looks. I think that right now, you know, Ware did work out with the first group, pretty much expected. I think when Hunt does take this job, it's going to be a little bit more of a slow ascension than I originally thought, and I just think that Hunt might be being a little bit overdrafted right now in the eighth round. It's just, I think he could be one of these guys who, um, you know, what Jeff Ratcliffe says on on his very good podcast, the uh, the Pro Football Focus Fantasy Podcast, is this was his move with Kenneth Dixon before everything went bad on him, and I thought it was a, I thought it was a sly move. He had recommended on that podcast, he said, let somebody else draft him. They are not going to be able to hold him during the time of his suspension. He's, he's going to get dropped, you know, because that's just how things happen. Like, you, things happen in fantasy. <laughs> like, you're going to realize real quick, you'll remember, fantasy hurts. Your players get hurt. Like, you, like, you get swindled. Your matchups are bad. You got to, like, you got to make a tough decision to drop some idiot because there's a new hot waiver wire pickup, et cetera, et cetera. Like, fantasy hurts, and somebody's gonna have to make a hurtful drop of a guy like Kenneth Dixon, who they drafted, and then whatever, you know, eighth round, tenth round, something like that. And at that point, you just go pick him up, right? And I think we could get a situation kind of like that with Kareem Hunt. I think that it's the Jeff Radcliffe, uh you know, drop and swoop kind of rule. I don't, I don't, I don't know what he calls it, but the uh, the uh, Kenneth Dixon plan. I really like that plan uh, this year, possibly for Kareem Hunt, because it's looking like he's not. You know, I just think the best case scenario for Kareem Hunt to start this season is that he's in some kind of you know two-headed platoon with Spencer Ware. But I think the more likely deal is that it's going to be something that's going to be more it's going to be a committee more heavily slanted towards Spencer Ware at the beginning than any Kareem Hunt owner would like, and some of them might get a little bit impatient as it shifts slowly to more of a 50-50, and then slowly to Kareem Hunt uh, taking it over, uh, still on the Chiefs. Shark Andrew West looks like he absolutely sucks. Uh, Oh, and then and then the the uh, tie freak boy, they're going to get him involved early and often in 2017. The first play of the game was a deep pass down the sideline to the to the tie freak from none other than PP armed little little noodle squirter Alex Smith. So. You know, Andy Reid's told us at the Combine. John Dorsey has told us at the Combine. Um, uh, sources close to the, to the Chiefs have told us uh, not only they're at the Combine, but also at various pro days that we were at this year that they're looking to get the tie freak more involved. They say they have to get the ball in his hands more often. I think that them coming out and, and having the first play of their preseason be a pretty deep ball uh, to Tyreek Hill goes to show that they definitely view him as the, as the number one option in the receiving game as somebody that they're going to force feed the only other thing I wanted to talk about, what I started out this tirade regarding and d- didn't get to, was Samaj P. Ryan. Golly, how bad has he looked? And it stinks because, you know, and as you guys very well know, especially our pro subscribers at Roster Watch, you know, you guys were getting Samaj P. Ryan super late in your MFL 10s. If you'd had early drafts prior to this previous update of the cheat sheet, you know, if Samaj P. Ryan was falling to you, at value and at value i see it at like 12 team leagues 12 team ppr i see value for Samaj p ryan being somewhere around 10.0 you know 10.01 10.02 look i'm tapping the brakes a little bit there i think that the value on Samaj p ryan now could be had at the 10th round 11th round turn in 12 team ppr leagues maybe a little bit higher in standard rob kelly still sucks Let's not make any bones about this fact. Rob Kelly is still a slug with absolutely no pedigree. That's never been worth a damn at any level that he's played. But the team seems to like him. The team was never able to to get rid of him or cut ties at any point last season, even when they, you know, even when they had guys who they hoped had more upside, the Keith Marshalls of the world, the Matt Jones of the world, like any of this. Like he's just hung around like a cockroach, Rob Kelly. They can't, you know, making cut after cut after, you know, making the 53-man roster. And so while he's a guy who, you know, is a feel-good story and a rags-to-riches kind of Cinderella guy, um, the thought was that, look, Samaje Piran comes in as the leading rusher in Oklahoma history. Oh, and, and, and he was there at the same time as Joe Mixon biting off carries. I mean, he comes in with pedigree, but, man, the fumbles have to stop. If you're a rookie running back, these fumbles are going to absolutely kill you. They're absolutely killing some AJP Ryan right now. He has certainly been shifted as far as the architecture of the magical and mystical cheat sheet available at rosterwatch.com. More thoughts coming up right now along with finally reading the draft order, or I guess the order in which they will be picking the draft order of the maniacal Rosterwatch Listener League, the Banana Hammock Boys. The Roster Watch podcast is brought to you by Roster Watch Nation, our pro community at rosterwatch.com, who, for less than a cheap cup of coffee, uh, support us in all of our maniacal efforts, uh, support us in the creation of all of our tools, uh, all of our travels, everything that we do to make sure that you win fantasy championships. The 2017 Roster Watch cheat sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com for our pro members. The revolutionary cheat sheet that changed fantasy football forever is back. Only at RosterWatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The RosterWatch Cheat Sheet. It's a magic sheet of paper. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three simple rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The RosterWatch Cheat Sheet. An expert quality draft is guaranteed. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. It's mystical. It's magical. It's mythical. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. It's only at rosterwatch.com. All right, so we're going to be getting Byron on a, a, a separate podcast a little bit later on today. It should drop a day after you're listening to this one that we'll get his thoughts live from Rams camp before he heads to Chargers camp. Again, if you like the podcast, please... Give us a good rating and a good review in iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. The reason that we ask you to do that is because advertisers look at that and we would like to monetize this podcast so we can make more money because more money, more money, more products for all the roster watch nation, more tools, uh, more, more investment back into our infrastructure, more winning so, if you like the podcast, please go give us a good rating and a good review. Okay, so I just pulled it up on random.org. Let me get to the name drawing for the Banana Hammock Boys Listener League. Number one, Nasty Nate and the Cabana Boys. <laughs> um, number two, Get Nuclear. Like the like the Bengals did this 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 draft this draft season, going taking the nuclear option with John Ross and Joe Mixon. Number three, the cockamamie charlatan. <laughs> Number four, robot geniuses Bulge. Number five, expert quality. Number six, name coming soon. Number seven, trash man's grab. Number eight. Robot Geniuses, Golden Sun. Number nine, Bananas and Blow. Number 10, Boiled Peanut Twister. (laughs) Number 11, Sully from Houston. And number 12 is the guy whose name I can't tell what the hell this is. You guys are too crazy and too maniacal for me. It's a B, uh, the N for Sand, the... R and the N. I'm not sure you know exactly who you are. In honor of number nine, Bananas and Blow, let's take this podcast out with a special song on behalf of Byron Lambert, on behalf of the Trash Man, on behalf of the Robot Genius, and all of Roster Watch Nation. My name is Alex Dunlap. This has been the Roster Watch Podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. We will see you next time.